So we left off last chapter, where the emperor had explained to Johnny all things concerning the past, yokai and the crystals, and with a cheap shot had knocked Johnny off the tower. And in the plains of Kanashi, the samurai warriors along with armor and a few of the rangers had destroyed all the catapults upon the mountain. Max and Aphelion were chased through the valleys by two boat copters known as Tomcats and were led into the heavens by a third, a demon cat. And back with Johnny, he mounted back to the top of the tower and faced off with the emperor for a final duel. And now, chapter begins. Amidst the swirling clouds on the towering spire, Johnny and the Emperor clashed. The Emperor lunged with his gleaming spear, a flash of silver cutting through the air. Johnny deftly parried, the sword of Numa responding with a resonant hum. Their movements were a dance of deadly precision. The tower, its edge, its only audience. Lightning crackled in the distance, casting intermittent flashes on their faces, determined and fierce. The Emperor's eyes burned with the intensity of the storm, while Johnny's focus remained unwavering. Thereafter, they set themselves a distance, a short distance, for rest. As they circled each other, the wind howled, carrying the tension of the impending clash. struck with a series of rapid thrusts, each aimed at Johnny's heart. Johnny sidestepping, encountering, and parrying each one as best he could. The clash of steel resonating through the heavens. The battle reached its zenith as John unleashed a flurry of strikes, each stroke leaving trails of light. The Emperor retaliated, his spear a blur of deadly arcs. The tower trembled beneath the weight of their conflict, a battleground suspended between the celestial expanse and the mortal realm. In a daring move, Johnny vaulted over the Emperor's spear. Landing behind him, 
The Emperor whirled around, but Johnny's sword of Numa struck true, sending the spear spiraling into the abyss below. The Emperor unwaved, reaches for his katana, and draws it out just as fast. Yet, fate intervened as a dense shroud of cloud draped the scene, rendering the Emperor an elusive phantom in the veiled tapestry. Fear, an unwelcomed guest, gripped Johnny's heart as sight abandoned him in the swirling mist. Turning this way and that way, spinning around behind him. Johnny calms his mind, leaning on his teachings, kneeling on the cold stone, swirled. Around him was nothing but fog, mist, a veil. His sword clutched in his hand. He sought refuge within the sanctuary of closed eyes. Tapping into senses unknown. In the silence of unseen senses, Johnny ascended to a realm beyond sight. His ears, now instruments of the arcane, discerned the Emperor's subtle movements. I see you. melody within the fog. Rising from his knelt stance, sword wielded with newfound insight, Johnny traversed the veil. You're not hiding from me! The cloud, once a hindrance, transformed into an accomplice. The clouds eventually vanished from off the top of this tower, and the Emperor reached the edge. Johnny on one side, the Emperor on the other. And as the Emperor reached the edge of the tower, Johnny's breath caught thinking the fall was his ultimate defeat. The Emperor leading out a sinister grin yet once again. <laughs> looks over the edge and looks back at Johnny. Yet, with a daring leap, the Emperor plunged into the abyss below.
Johnny cautiously walks to the edge, waiting for a trap. A moment of suspense hung in the air until, suddenly, the sky roared with the majestic presence of a colossal dragon soaring upward. Johnny's eyes widened as the dragon's scales shimmered in the moonlight. The Emperor, now astride the mighty creature, unleashed a triumphant roar challenging Johnny to the battle that transcended the limits of the tower. Undeterred, Johnny activated the harpoon concealed within the gauntlet. With a swift motion, the harpoon shot forth, embedded itself into the dragon's massive tail. Johnny, tethered to the dragon, ascended into the sky. The wind rushed past as the tower dwindled below, leaving the battlefield suspended amongst the clouds. Meanwhile, with the King of Nod and Reggie, the snowy valley stretched endlessly, its undolting terrain covered in a pristine blanket of snow. The icy river meandered to the left, its frozen surface glistening under the pale winter sunlight. The snow-covered hills ascended and descended, creating a mesmerizing landscape of white peaks and valleys. The King and Reggie trudged through the snow. Their every step left a temporary mark on the pristine canvas. The air was crisp and blizzardy, carrying with it a hushed tranquility of the winter wilderness. Sir, this terrible thought occasionally occupies my mind that your majesty was attempting to snuff out my life, sir. Uh, oh, oh my. <laughs> yes, sir. That's a terrible thought, Reggie. Put it far from me. <laughs> yes, sir. Most terrible. Uh. So, was it an accident, sir? Uh, which part, Reggie? Okay. Mm. Yes. To be most specific, sir, uh. the part where I turned around on that cliff only to find a joyous, sinister expression on the king's face, yeah. while at the same time, both your arms were fully extended uh -huh. and in the locked position, palms up, fingers together, <laughs> yeah. as not to pull me away from the uh -huh. edge, sir, but uh -huh. rather assist Reggie with getting closer to peril. <laughs> yeah. I would also like to note that the position of your body as it was leaning forward approximately 30 degrees, sir, uh -huh. upon arrival indicated your need for forward momentum oh, yeah. in wishing me off the cliff as far oh, as possible, far but I took hold of you in order to falter that wish, uh. which in the end caused both of us to take quite a nasty, terrible tumble, sir. <laughs> you would make a terrible detective, Reggie. That was all a complete accident. <sighs> yes, sir. That was my second thought, sir. I'm glad we got uh. that out of the way and the air cleaned up. Yeah, cleaned up. <laughs> Amidst the serene scene, 
they stumbled upon a solitary log cabin nestled against the backdrop of snow-clad hills. The exterior wore a layer of fresh snow, accentuating its rustic charm. Around the cabin, scattered footprints hinted at recent activity, leading to the wooden doorstep where a pair of sturdy boots stood abandoned. Oh, sir, what a lovely mm. cabin, sir. We can seek refuge <laughs> right here and stay warm. <laughs> you don't suppose that somebody is staying here, Reggie? Oh, no, not at all, sir. Not, not at this time of year. Oh, not, not at this time of year. Okay, okay come here. Just, just a little closer, Reggie. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Mm. Uh, uh. <laughs> I like to draw your detective mind <laughs> yes. to those footprints all in the snow. Oh, yes, sir. I noticed them, sir. You don't suppose that was recent activity? Um, I suppose it could have been sometime in the summer, sir. Usually people camp out here in the summer for fishing. <laughs> you think there was a, from the summer, just kind of left over, just pushed into the snow right here? Yes, sir, it's possible. <laughs> Aren't you a winner? Keep up the detective work. Let's get inside. <laughs> and opening up the door. Inside, a fishing pole leaned against the wall, suggesting leisurely pursuits. A stack of firewood neatly arranged by the fireplace indicated thoughtful preparation for a bitter cold. The air inside the cabin was infused with the faint scent of burnt wood and the lingering warmth of a present recently departed. <laughs> wow, wow, it's yes, so abandoned in sir. here. <laughs> Look at all that beans and rice sitting over there on the left. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, oh, that is nice, sir. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Look at it. <laughs> and look at those, uh, what is that? Firewood nicely stacked. Oh, and look, I think the firewood's still smoldering. Oh, it must be some hard wood, sir. I heard about that. Well, the wood it could be so dense, it could take a rather long time to burn out. <laughs> oh, man, we're so in trouble. <laughs> Oh dear, look over here. I, I think I could fit these boots. Oh yes, sir. <laughs> look, sir. Fishing poles and a tub of earthworms. Granted, they are petrified. And there's a river just outside. I'm sure there's a good amount of fish therein and just waiting to nibble on one of these stone worms. Ah, the Almighty has looked uh. down upon us and smiled, sir. <laughs> Delicious! Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I can't wait. I can just taste it now. Oh, yes, sir. Perhaps a salmon fillet oh. rubbed down with some sea salt. Now you're talking. A little marinade, perhaps. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, or sir. maybe huh. some rainbow trout oh. smothered in lemon juice. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No, 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 no. Better yet. What? I'm in the mood for a few wall-eyed. Oh, sir. <laughs> yeah, my plate. Infused with some gardener. Oh, yes. That is most yes, delicious, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. There's just one small thing. Oh. <laughs> Casting a tiny shadow upon all my dreams, Reggie. As the king opens up the door. <laughs> just follow me over here, Reggie. Come yes, on. Yes, sir. Follow me. Yes, follow yes, me. Yes, sir. I'll come, in, sir. come on, Reggie. I'll come on. Follow the king. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the king yes, leads Reggie all the way to yes, the river. Sir. Yes, sir. All right. Do you see that river? Oh, yes, sir. 
<laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Do you see all that hard, shiny, glass-looking stuff all over? <laughs> oh, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> Well, <clears throat> that's a mythical phenomenon that happens once Ooh. every year, Reggie. Oh, dear. <laughs> and perhaps the Almighty is looking down and smiling upon us. Yes, sir. Because he sees just how ridiculously humorous your plans are, Reggie. Oh, dear. Now, come on. <laughs> Let's get inside before my feet yes. fall up yes. on the frozen. <laughs> and maybe, perhaps, maybe. Yes, sir. We'll eat some of those beans that they left here from six months ago, Reggie. Oh, yes, sir. I suppose they're still delicious. delicious. <laughs> In a log cabin snug, meet the moon's gentle hug. The king and Reggie sat on a cozy rug. Beans and rice, their feast so fine. Laughter echoed like a grand design. Tells were spun in the firelight's glow as they giggled and chuckled to and fro. A snowy valley, a haven so sweet, where joys and mirth did always meet. <laughs> but hark! Listen, listen, listen. Footsteps near. Oh dear. A mystery unfolds. Uh, in the snow-laden night, as the story molds, the to the window they peered oh with cautious glee. Uh, as a burly man approached, oh my. an axe held free. Run, run, ready. Out the back they fled, uh, oh dear. Oh like the wind's uh, soft uh, blow. Uh, Through the woods they darted, uh, in the shadows below. Behind a tall tree, they cowered in fright as the burly man searched with all his might. But the woods kept their secret, a silent decree. As the burly man turned, no king and Reggie to see. Back to the cabin with a puzzled frown, the king and Reggie were safe in the night's calm gown. Oh, sir. We're safe, sir. We are safe. Oh, we're safe? Oh, I'm so joyful, bubbling over. We're so safe. <laughs> Look at the goosebumps. They're not there because it's minus 30. They're there because I'm so overwhelmed with joy. I'm so happy to be out of that warm, cozy cabin and back out here in the cold. <laughs> I'm free as a bird now. I can do what I want. Yes, sir. <sighs> We're so going down, Reggie. Look at me, I'm in a silk garment and you ain't got much on either. Uh -huh. Sir. What? Look, sir. Where? Right there where I'm pointing, sir. Where? Right there. Uh, the hole in the ground. Sir, the Almighty has looked down upon us and smiled, sir. What about that hole? It's a bunny rabbit hole, or at least a fox, or some small rodent, something that if we can crawl into it and keep warm, sir, and whatever's in there, I'm sure we can handle it. You, you think that the Almighty is, is not looking down and smiling because it's one of those ridiculously humorous ideas you have that's going to falter in some big anaconda in this freezing cold weather in this valley. is probably just 
tucked away, curled, waiting for a king and waiting for a butler just to crawl in there to keep warm. No, maybe not, sir. But look, sir, you you just snug in there. I'll go get help. I have a little more blubber on me, sir. And if I'm not back within an hour, just wait another hour, sir. Just wait another hour? That's a great idea, Reggie. If you're not back within an hour, just wait another one. What else can I do? I'm not looking for you. Yes, sir. Just hang tight. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll bury myself so others don't have to. Yes, I'll be right back. Meanwhile, back on the plains of Kanashi, Borden, Gil, and friends sat back to back. Borden carefully inspected the sinews of his bow, adjusting the tension with practiced ease. Gil sat nearby sharpening the fletchers of his arrows, while Friend watched with eager curiosity. And Miyamoto sat on his horse just earshot away, waiting Dinku's orders. And they all were in front of the formation of the samurais. And Gil turns towards Friend, his apprentice. Now Friend, maintaining a bow is a crucial as wielding it. Always check for any cracks or imperfections in the wood. Now, listen, huh. a well-kept bow ensures a true shot, and you're going to need a lot of true shots. And Friend nodded, uh. attentively gripping his own bow, imitating the ranger's actions, uh -huh. while Borden leaned in with a smirk. And the arrows, lad, see these notches? Oh, Keep they... them smooth, uh -huh. I will. or your shots will go astray when you least expect it. I think Gil can tell you a little something about that. Oh, you can't? Now, sometimes, friend, uh. you learn from experience. And I think Borden mm -hmm. can tell you a little something about that. Yeah, I got lots more experience, though, Gil. And one of the samurai warriors approaching with a condescending manner. I look alive. Uh, <clears throat> me and my friends uh, are over there. And we're just looking at uh, right. your, uh, particularly this, uh, this, uh, this. What do you call it? What do you call it? A bow and arrow. Oh, bow and arrow. And I was wondering if uh, any, any good at it. <laughs> me or him or him? Particularly you. You. Oh. I'm just saying. As he looks back at his friends, and looks back over at Borden. You have a little gray, I see, here oh, and there. No. Your hands aren't too shaky. Maybe we can <laughs> hey. put you in the back with the young men that can carry the arrows to us. That's good. Uh -oh. Good spot for him. Oh, Great oh. Spot. Oh, you see this gray, this gray here? Lots well, that's of been gray. there a long time, buddy. And I'm, you want to put something on the line for it? Now, uh, listen, boy, uh, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to prove nothing. Nothing. They'll, they'll see you in action. No, they're, they're going to see some action. Hey, you want to put something on the line? You want to oh, wager something? Man. And put a mark out there. We'll hit it. Oh, oh, oh. Looking back at his friends again. Sure. Uh, what do you have in mind? Well, what's in the what's in your bag? Oh, oh here he goes wagering uh, stuff, friend. Watch this, friend. Yeah, there's a cake oh. of figs my wife made me. Oh, oh 
Steaks are good. It looks really tasty. Want to put down the line? And he nodding his head, looking at the bag that is on the side of Borden. Well, it's uh, it's in your bag. Oh, oh, in mine. Okay, hold on. Look. Actually, sweet, what is in my bag? Actually? Sweet pastries, sweet tarts. Ah, sweet. ah. I got a, I got a bag of coffee. Bag of coffee, coffee, <laughs> coffee. What, what's uh, what's coffee? Coffee, coffee. coffee. You know, coffee. Coffee. You drink it. Coffee. 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 Coffee and beans. And Miyamoto leans a little in off of his horse. Coffee. Oh, coffee. Coffee. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I have a bag of. Is that coffee? Coffee. Yes, it's coffee. I have a bag of coffee. The best coffee. Bunch of coffee right here, waiting for you to drink it. If you, if you can out shoot me with an arrow, pick a mark. Pick a mark. Go ahead. Look out there in the little plane and pick a mark. Make it close. His eyes are dim. That stump right there. You see that stump over there? Um, that stump over there? That one right there. That one particular? Yes, that, that's the one. Two arrows. Only two. You hit it twice, I hit it twice. Hey, if you hit it twice, I respect you. Okay. Yeah, that's good enough. Wow, this is going to be so neat. But hey, look, Borden, you don't... Whatever, Borden. Here, take these arrows. Awesome. All right, friend, you're going to learn from experience watching him. I can't wait. Oh, you're going to learn. I can't wait. This could be so cool. All right. Should I go first or you go first? Oh, please. You go first. And putting the arrow up against the string, bringing it to his shoulder height, he pulls the string back and releases. And the arrow shoots just above the stump. Oh. That's just so bad. Oh, then I'm sorry I had to see all this in front of your younglings. Uh, right. Youngling. Now, your turn. Uh, Go ahead. Hit, hit the stump. Come on, Borden. What's going on? And the samurai does just that. He slams an arrow into the stump. <sighs> Borden, pulling the string back, raises the arrow, releases it. And once again, the arrow flies over the stump. Yeah, he missed it again. Gil scratching his face. Um, uh, maybe I maybe I didn't hear the the wagers or the rules, but wasn't that supposed to hit the stump? <laughs> okay, what? Okay, you you got it. You you hit the stump twice. Um, so, but. Seeing how I'm older than you, and my knees aren't as good, and my right. ankles are a little, you know, a little bad, could you please just retrieve my artillery, and I'll have ready the kohi for you? Uh, I was happy to. I was happy to. Does that happen a lot, Sensei? Kohi Sensei around here? Yeah, no. The samurai warrior entered into the serene field. His sharp eyes quickly spotted the two arrows. Oh. And as he approached the two arrows, in a surprise, they perfectly embedded in the eye sockets of a fox's skull, one in the left socket and one in the right socket, a testament to the ranger's precision, leaving the samurai in a silent admiration for such skill. And he slowly glances up at Borden to see if he notices the surprise on his own face. 
and Borden bringing his hands to his mouth in a suggestion of eating a cake of figs. Ugh. Ugh. Retreating the arrows, he walks back to Borden. That's not the intended target. Now, was, was that good or what? That was good. That wasn't the intended target. That's what I know. That's what that was. That was really nice, too. Now, come on, cake of figs. In his defense, he is right. That wasn't the intended. You did both agree on the stump. Uh -oh. ah, yeah, uh -oh. yeah, you're right. All right, but hey, don't let this beard fool you. No, my Kohi. And Miyamoto leaning forward. No, come on. You know that was really good. Why don't you just split it half and half, both of you? Oh, you have Kohi, yeah. you have figs. That's a great idea. Can, can you oh, do yeah. that? Yeah, okay. All right, have, have Kohi. Ah, half figs. That's they it. did likewise. Look at that, we're coming half together. Half their food. Two armies together. And the samurai ranger went back to his oh. formation with a new fond respect oh. for the rangers and their skill. And in the command tent, in the stillness before the storm, General Denku sits alongside of armor, the King of Tannin, lanterns surrounding them. The battlefield awaits, draped in an eerie silence. With precision, he studies the unfolded map on the table before him, tracing the terrain with a calloused finger. Outside, the soldier prepare for the battle yet to unfold. General Denku turns towards one of his Messengers. How many men do we have? Eight hundred strong, sir. How many of them are archers? Eight hundred, sir. And cavalry? Twelve hundred, sir. So, that leaves us with uh, sixty-four hundred footmen? Correct, sir. How many Akuma does Aruku have? Thirteen hundred, sir. Thirteen hundred. May the great king look upon us now. And a messenger opens the tent. Aruko has presented himself and is requesting a word with you, sir. Good. It's waiting for this day. Come with me, Ara. Sir, a large bundle of arrows and spears have arrived. Excellent. Make sure everyone has a spear, to include archers. And as for the arrows, stock them behind the formation and place young men by them to resupply the archers as needed. Yes, sir. So you called for me earlier? Yes. You and the other runners draw water for the formation. Run quickly. Go before the battle starts. Go. Yes, sir. And Denku arrives in front of the sea of formation, looking into the eyes of warriors. Hands are unshaken. For none of them are of a double heart. Miyamoto sits upon his horse, and Hanzo standing beside him. Miyamoto turns his attention away from Hanzo and unto Denku. Today is a good day, sir. And here it is. What have you observed so far? The cavalry are on the front lines. I suppose they will use them to fight first, sir. You are correct. Roku always uses his cavalry first. And Hanzo steps in. I have a suggestion, sir. 
allow a few dozen archers, young and swift, to pull back. Should far east, ascend up Mount Dawson, and attack from above. What do you think of that, sir? That's a good idea. Do it. And, uh, Hanzo, you lead them. Go now, hurry. Oh, oh, yes, sir. Mayamoto on his horse. Dinku mounting a horse along with armor. Come with me, both of you. Let's go meet Avruku. I need y'all by my side. Say nothing, just observe. And as they traverse the terrain, Mayamoto turns to Dinku. I am not one to compare numbers, but as a morsel of bread, they could swallow us. Yes. Then we'll make them choke on us. We'll go down together. I have also noticed uh, a certain worried look in your eyes. I know. I know I couldn't hide it from you. My visage is in the light. I have both of you know. Both of you. Roku is my brother. Mayamoto and Armor exchange glances. And they look back ahead. And they arrive. Aruku, taking a hard look at his brother, for had it been a long time. Many years have passed since their eyes have touched one another. Is there any hope of making peace with you, my brother? Yes, as he dismounts the horse, along with Dinku. My motor and armor remain. You throw down your weapons. Get on your knees and crawl on your faces across Kanashi, as your fathers did 200 years ago. Then, you shall have mercy. Denku looking back at their armor, slowly turning his eyes back over to Aruku. Oh, star, leave that fairy tale out of this. He's not coming. He is here. The Emperor Musta are in combat as we speak. Much learning hath made thee mad. The legends are true, brother. Yokai will fly once more. And turning to Yokai, pointing at him, and looking back at Dinku. That dragon? That, that stone dragon? This is why our father separated us as children. No, he did it because you were unbeliever. Musta, Will, and Aruku pulling out a knife and putting it to the throat of Dinku. Mayamoto and Armor draw their swords, but Dinku holds his hand up to stop them. As their eyes lock, an unspoken tale unfolds. The winds of destiny reveal a shared lineage, a bond severed by revenge in the time of conflicting loyalties. A poetic beauty emanates from the tragic irony as the long lost brothers confront each other, their gazes carrying the weight of shared memories and a connection broken by the passage of years. 
Come, my brother. Join us and save 10,000 lives today. Together, as a whole, no kingdom on earth can stop us. All I need is the Emperor. He's all powerful. Uh, Aruko! Aruko! He is not all powerful. Don't turn your back on me, my brother. Aruko! And Aruko, mounting up onto his horse alongside his war leaders, turns one last time and looks upon his brother one last time. Yoko, Tatakayo. Otashi no Kayodai. Fight well, my brother. And turning the reins of the horse, he departs. Oh, Roku! Oh, stubborn as a wall. My Amado Hara. Let's get the men ready. The war begins soon. I see the line forming. Let's go. Hello, sorry to interrupt, but this is your host. I have to correct a, a number that I had said earlier whenever Dinku was very surprised at the number of Akuma soldiers when he said, 1,300. He really meant to say 13,000, which I thought was funny to say 1,300. Well, I misspoke that one, but I left it in there because they were vastly outnumbered if it was 1,300, and just the terror on his voice Made it really funny and awkward. So it's really 13,000. Alright, thank you. Back to the chapter. The three war leaders arrived in front of the formation under the golden hues of the awakening sun. General Dengu, clad in resplendent samurai armor, sits tall and dignified upon his horse. Beside him, King Armor, adorned in regal attire, exudes an air of authority. They overlook a vast, undulting sea of samurai warriors, their armor gleaming in the morning light. Cavalry ready for battle, and archers, along with infantry with long spears and shields. It's all quiet on this battlefront. Everyone's eyes is on Dinku. He looks to his left. All the way down across the front formation to the right. As the first rays of sunlight pierce the horizon, painting the skies in hues of pink and gold. Denku turns his gaze to the rising sun, a symbol of hope and resilience. Then a gentle breeze carries the scent of cherry blossoms. Yes, General Denku. Would you care to give a speech? 
rouse the people up. I would be honored to. Then do it. And Armor, riding on his horse, stands closer to the formation. Ye children of the rising sun! It is no secret that the door to the afterlife is within arm's reach. But the alternative is also within arm's reach. 200 years ago, your forefathers fell on their knees as bondmen. They crawled on their faces upon this very ground under the shadow of the ruthless emperor Akuno. Sorrow held the stern paintbrush of agony and stroke after miserable stroke on the canvas of life he would paint. Tears, tears upon faces, mothers of the rising sun losing their children to the faucets of vanity. A mural of suffering hung on the wall of hopelessness. And generation after generation of our children would add texture to the enduring canvas. Armor turns his gaze. That sun rising is now a ball of heat in the horizon. But there's something most fascinating about the rising sun. The strength of her fury is unmatched as she soars through the heavens. Her heat has beaten upon the walls of hopelessness long enough. The light has broken upon the mural of suffering and its texture has faded beyond repair. Armor turns his head towards one of the banners. The symbol on the flag is that of the country. A sun, a circle, a red circle. Bring me a banner and place it by me. A young man grabbing the pole, holding the flag. Stabs it in the ground by the horse, next to armor. At last, after 200 years of walking in the shadow of tyranny, the light of freedom has shone upon your faces. Ye children of the rising sun, much blood will be spilled upon the ground this day. In just a few moments, we will be standing on a ground of scarlet. It is written that the Almighty humbleth himself to behold things in heaven and in earth. But we ask, that the Almighty would humble himself this day, look down upon the plains of Kanashi, and see a scarlet circle, and know that the land of the rising sun was here! Ye children of the rising sun, one thousand years from now, 
Our sons and daughters will open their textbooks and read about the events that will unfold this day. But what will they read? Will they read of their ancestors being armed with bows and arrows, turning back on the day of battle? But what will they read? They will read how 8,000 men, fathers, brothers and uncles stood shoulder to shoulder with a triumphant shout that would echo across 200 years of darkness and encourage our fathers. Though sorrow may last for the night, the sun will always rise in the morning. Pull out your pens, ye scribes, and let's write history. And after this speech, the formation tightened up and prepared for battle. In the front of the formation, the cavalry led by Miyamoto. Behind the cavalry, heavy shields, the samurai. Amongst the samurai are the two rangers along with their apprentice friend. And behind them, King Armor and Dinku on their horses to command the infantry. And behind them, the archers. And approaching the archers. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. everyone. Y'all yeah, looking great. Oh, yeah. Come your bows. And breaking through the ranks, they arrived to armor. Morning. Uh, you're not going to be in the boat copter? I, I was going to be in the boat copter, but they said it wasn't honorable to, 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 to shoot arrows from the sky. So. I'm gonna yeah. join y'all. Uh -huh. well, glad to glad to have you with us. Oh yeah, we got this in the bag. Bags? In the bag? Oh yeah, that's quite a large bag to get all this in it. Uh, it's one of those elastic, stretchy bags. You know, the kind that stretch. Okay, Max. Let's 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 join up with all the other. Uh, let's find a good spot, maybe behind a tree. Uh, yeah, behind a tree. <laughs> Come on. And amongst the infantry, the rangers. Gil looking at Borden. Fifty. Uh, pardon? Fifty. First one to fifty wins. Talking about fifty Akuma? Yeah, first one to fifty wins. Alright. I'm in. First one to fifty wins. But uh, if you hit it with an arrow or slice it with your sword and they don't drop, you don't count that one. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't dare count that one. You're thinking I'm a cheater? I'm not thinking you're a cheater, but young people like yourself like to cheat a lot. I know, I've seen it. Okay, okay. No dirty fighting. What? What is dirty fighting in a war? I'm just saying. And upon the horseback with Miyamoto. 
Their cavalry is beginning to move out. We're gonna flank left, flank right, east and west. Divide in the middle. What that's gonna do is cause their cavalry to divide east and west, and that'll open that up. After that, Denko is gonna march them all forward. The heavy shields, right down the middle. Our swordsmen and spearmen are far more advanced than them. All right, everyone, move out. Move out. Moving out. Moving out. Moving out. Moving out. Amidst the dust-choked air, the thundering hooves of samurai warrior on horseback echoed across the medieval battlefield. With razor-sharp katana blades glinting in the sunlight, the samurai surged forward, splitting into two determined halves. One faction galloped towards the east, the other towards the west. With the front line, armor and Dinku, nod heads. Front line, forward march! Forward march! march! The front line of samurai infantry advanced, shields raised like impenetrable wall, resolute in the defense. On the opposite side, Aruku spurred his heavy infantry forward, marching the samurai's disciplined march. With the two rangers. Uh, uh, 50? 50, huh? Uh, a hard mark. Uh, I can get it. I'm pretty sure I can get that one. 50, yeah. I might, uh, uh, some of them are kind of big. I might count them as two. Oh, oh, I knew it, I knew it. I told you, I'm just kidding. Within Uruku's formidable ranks stood an ogre, a towering and fearsome creature with dark gray skin. As the front lines drew nearer, this colossal beast stepped forward, casting a forebounding shadow over the battlefield. Dinku's samurai, faced with the intimidating presence of the ogre, felt a surge of fear coursing through their ranks. The clash of steel momentarily muted as the samurai warriors hasted. Grappling with the challenge presented by this monstrous adversary. Stay the line! Stay the line! Denku orders his archers to release a volley of arrows upon the approaching foe. led by the ogre, with arrows raining down upon him. The ogre continued his relentless advance, shrugging off the stinging blows as if they were mere annoyances. As he reached the samurai on the front lines, Hara samurai, let no man's sword come back dry. 
The ground quaked beneath his massive feet as he smashed through the defenses with brute force. He sent warriors flying in all directions. And in the wake of his onslaught, a gap emerged in the once unyielding line of samurai offering a pathway for the enemy forces to encircle and assault their vulnerable rear. The ogre stood tall amidst the chaos, a barrier allowing Oruku's troops to penetrate deep into the heart of the samurai formation. An armor upon his horse attempting to resolve. Left flank! Right flank! Hold still! The rest of you! Push that ogre out of this formation! And with Denku, archers, put down your bows and put on your arrows. Pick a sword and join them! With brute strength, the ogre seized samurai warriors in his massive hands, slamming them mercilessly into the unforgiving earth with bone-crushing force. A sound of splintering wood and shattering bone filled the air as the ogre's rampage continued and intensified. In a terrifying display of raw power, he snatched a horse with a vice-like grip, tearing the creature from limb to limb with savage ferocity. The battlefield became a scene of carnage. Borden, in the front lines, turns towards Gil. Gil, you dated women uglier than that. You know how to handle them. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was a blind date, and you set that up, and it didn't last long. Well, let's hope it doesn't last as long as that ogre. It, uh, fine, uh, you handled all these people. With courage in his heart, Gil confronting the towering ogre. His sword raised high. Come on. I just can't. Despite his valiant efforts. Gil soon found himself outmatched by the sheer brute strength of the monstrous creature. Gil dodged and weaved, narrowly evading the ogre's thunderous blows as they nearly crashed him. Each strike threatening to crush him beneath its weight. Gil maneuvered around the chaos of the battlefield retreating, oh, forget this. using the confusion to his advantage. I'm out of here. With Max and Aphelion. Aphelion, you gotta do something about that thing. Oh, do I, Max? Do I? <laughs> what, what are you gonna do, Max? Go ahead, tell me. To blow it up. Oh, yeah, blow, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, blow it up. Right, I'm just gonna blow it up. You know what? Hey, wait, wait, Max! And he grabbed Max by the shirt and pulling him close. Yeah, you got a great idea. I, I, I do? Yeah, we have blue powder on the photocopter. copter. I don't know where it's at. Help me find it, come on! And getting into the boat copter. All right, where is it? I know it's somewhere. Search everywhere. 
Oh, 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 check, check up, uh, up on top of the, uh, up there on the shelf. Where? Up on high, over there. And opening up the shelf. Max, how many times do I gotta tell you not to put heavy, large iron kettles up high on shelves? You can kill somebody. Uh, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I got the boomer powder right here. All right, good. All right, all right. Here's what you're gonna do, Max. All right, listen carefully. I'm listening. All right, you see that rope attached to the boomer powder? Uh huh. You see that big giant gray ogre slamming people in the ground and <laughs> doing that? What he just did right there. You see that? Uh, I see it. I see it. What you're gonna do is gonna take this thing, you run, just dart across this field, move around all those other Ruku people guys, and then you're gonna get on top of that thing, climb the arrows though, get on the ogre, throw the rope around his neck, tie it off, make sure that little sack of boomer powder is dangling freely in front of him, that's important. And then also get off that, that's very important. Come back over here, I'll have a flaming arrow, and I'll hit that thing, and then, boom! Oh, I like boom. Yeah, it's gonna work. All right, now go do it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out! Watch out! Watch out! I try to kill my good people. Out of the way! Out of the way! Get boomer powder. Oh, there you are, you big old ugly. And climbing onto the arrows. You stink. No wonder why you're so mad. And getting all the way to his neck. All right, now throw the rope over here. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, right. What kind of nut should I tie? Yeah. Ooh, I know one. Alright, I like this one. Right. A little bunny. The bunny goes around a tree. Goes down in a little bunny hole. It comes up and jumps over the bush. It goes around the rock, jumps back over the rock, comes back over the bush, goes back down. It all comes back this way. Spins around and around in circle, chasing his little white tail. <laughs> and then, alright, boom. Yeah, that looks nice. Oh, oh, let me get down. Excuse me. Whoa. I did it, Philly. It worked just like you planned. All right, I knew it would. I just somehow instinctively knew you'd do it. Raising the flaming arrow, shoulder height. Biting onto his tongue. And Max, I'm trying to concentrate. This is serious. The moving target. And the ogre rips the rope off. Raises that boomer sack up high as if to throw it. And with the billion. Perfect! He releases the flaming arrow. And it finds its mark. Oh, nice. 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 O
Way to go, affiliate. Way to go, Max. Everyone else, tighten this up. Get these Akuma soldiers out of here and strengthen it. On the opposite side of the battlefield, Aruku, amongst the thousands in reserve, watched with burning fury as Mayamoto and his cavalry swept through the ranks on their east flank. A messenger amongst them. My lord, the ogre has been slain. They reinforced the lines and we just cannot penetrate past their shields. But Aruku was not having this, having already seen his cavalry demise. Do you want to be on their side? I think you want to be on their side. Why don't you join them? And grabbing him by the garments and thrusting him into the field. Go! The messenger turns himself about. No eye pitied him. With trembling hands, commenced to a slight jog towards Dinku's troops, and Aruku signaling for a bow and arrow. Quickly. And turning himself to the commander of the archers. Bring down arrows upon the cavalry. My lord, but would that not destroy our own cavalry along with them? But all he needed was a stern look from Aruku. Yes, my lord. Archers! On the cavalry! Loose! And as the arrows descended upon the cavalry, Miyamoto order to retreat behind the lines. Go back behind the lines. Give it to But Miyamoto was not spared from the deadly rain. An arrow pierced his collar. Another stuck in his leg. And a third found its mark on his horse, sending them to the ground. Miyamoto gritted his teeth against the searing agony. His breath coming in ragged gasps as he fought to stay conscious. The world spun around him. Every movement sending waves of agony coursing through his body. As Mayamoto lay wounded on the unforgiving battlefield, his senses sharpened by the pain of adrenaline. He caught a glimpse, a glimpse of movement in the reflection of a fallen soldier's helmet. He knew that danger approached. Summoning every ounce of remaining strength, Miyamoto fiend vulnerability, waiting until the Akuma soldier drew near intent on delivering the final blow. In field, by sheer willpower, Miyamoto struck out with a swift and precise attack, catching his would-be assailant off guard. The clash was brief but intense, as Miyamoto's blade found its mark with deadly accuracy. 
Yakuma soldier fell to the ground. With three more Akuma soldiers closing in on him, Miyamoto's world seemed to slow to a crawl. On his knees, his gaze fixed upon the rising sun, a symbol of hope amidst the chaos of battle, he made a solemn decision. Drawing his wakasashi, his hands trembling, Miyamoto prepared to commit seppuku. But as he poised the blade to end his own life, a horse, a horse thundered toward him, carrying one of his fellow samurai. With a mixture of relief and gratitude flooding through him, Miyamoto lowered the blade, his heart heavy with the weight of what might have been. His fellow samurai extended a hand, pulling Miyamoto onto the horse behind him. Their bond of brotherhood was stronger than the despair of defeat. And with a Ruku, Prepare the formation. Forward! As he lowers his eyes, fixed on Denku's soldiers. March! As the thunderous march of Aruku's army riverbreaded through the land, a sea of soldiers advanced with the precision of a well-oiled machine, their numbers seemingly endless. With each step, they closed in on their adversaries, encircling Dinku and his violent warriors in a ring of unyielding steel. With shields raised high and spears poised for battle, Dinku and his soldiers stood firm their resolve unwavering despite being surrounded on all sides. Their formation was flawless, a testament of years of training. In the heart of the circle, Dinku, flanked by his trusted war leaders, radiated a silent strength that belied the tension of moments. As Aruku strode forward with a commanding presence, the rank of soldiers parted like a mighty river, clearing a path to the heart of the circle where his brother Dinku awaited him. With each step, the tension mounted. The air thick with the weight of generations of rivalry and strife. As the gap closed behind him, Aruku stood face to face with his brother, their gaze locked in a silent exchange of unspoken challenges and ancient grievances. With a fluid motion, Aruku drew his sword. 
the steel singing a deadly melody as it clave through the air. In response, Denku mirrored his brother's actions. His own blade flashing in the light of the rising sun. In that moment, the world seemed to hold its breath as the two brothers squared off. Their swords poised for the clash that would determine the fate of their people. Meanwhile, in the battle in the sky, the sun blazed overhead as Johnny clashed with the emperor atop the mighty dragon. The dragon's scales shimmered in the sunlight as it soared through the heavens, its colossal wings beating with immense power. With a daring leap, Johnny launched himself off the dragon. Confusing the emperor, the emperor rushes to the side to see a tumbling knight in the sky. But with precision, Johnny aimed and fired the harpoon, it whistling through the air and embedding itself into the dragon's skelly hide. Using all his strength, Johnny swung beneath the dragon, the wind rushing past him as he looped around in a daring maneuver. Johnny swung back, his eyes locked with the back of the emperor. And with a roar, Johnny propelled himself forward, his boots connecting with the emperor. The emperor staggered, nearly losing his footing on the dragon's back. But with sheer force, he regained his balance. The clash continued. And as the Emperor's relentless onslaught of deadly blows rained down upon Johnny, each strike pushing him further back. Johnny fought violently to hold his guard. With every ounce of strength, he parried. He blocked. But the sheer force of the Emperor's attacks proved overwhelming. With a final blow, devastating, Johnny was kicked onto his back. The wind knocked out of him as he lay sprawled atop the colossal dragon high in the sky. The Emperor wasting no time. Leaping on top of him, his sword raised high, their eyes locked in a fierce struggle for supremacy. Give it up, Mostar. You're no match for me, boy. But in a sudden burst of defiance, Johnny tapped into the power of his gauntlet channeling his magnetic force against the steel of the Emperor's armor. With a surge of energy, the magnetic field repelled the Emperor, sending him flying through the air. The Emperor tumbled backwards, his body arcing, 
and he crashed into the neck of the dragon. With a swift motion, Johnny stood up, his sword ready. But the emperor was not finished yet. He reaching for the reins of the dragon. And he yanked on one of them. The colossal beast obediently obeyed, rolling through the air with astonishing agility. Johnny caught off guard by the sudden maneuver, grasped desperately at the dragon's scales, his fingers digging into the rough surface as he fought to maintain his grip. With each successful roll, Johnny clung treacherously to the dragon's side, his muscles straining against the relentless force of gravity. Despite the dizzying whirl of motion, he refused to relinquish his hold. But the dragon rolled again and again. Johnny's grip remained steadfast. Realization dawned on the emperor, his confidence shaken by the knight's unwavering resolve. With a growl of frustration, he released his grip on the reins. But what the Emperor did not know is that while they were rolling through the air, a whisper from Angelos brushed against Johnny's consciousness. Johnny cracking a smile at the Emperor. <laughs> what are you smiling at, Musta? I know something you don't know, Emperor. Oh, you know something I don't know. Please, enlighten me. Oh, I will. Summoning his inner strength, Johnny focused his gauntlet, its magnetic force, directing it towards the shimmering crystal atop the Emperor's crown. With a surge of power, the magnetic field latched onto the crystal, pulling it free. The Emperor, caught off guard by the sudden assault on his helm, staggered backwards in shock as the dragon crystal landed into the gauntlet of Johnny. No, 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 these things are not true. Ah, oh, the legends. They're, they're just legends. Merely that. As Johnny's fingers closed around the dragon's crystal, he was enveloped in a dazzling display of light and power, its sheer beauty and potency, the artifact momentarily overwhelming his senses. For a fleeting moment, he was lost in awe. The weight of his newfound responsibility settling heavily upon his shoulders. But as the Emperor's fury erupted like a tempest, Johnny's reverie was shattered 
his attention snapping back to the present danger. But it was too late. With a swift and ruthless motion, the Emperor struck out, catching Johnny off guard and sending him hurling off the dragon's back. High above the earth, Johnny tumbled through the sky, the wind roaring in his ears as the ground rushed up to meet him. And looking into the crystal, Yokai, awake! And before Dinku and Aruku could clash in combat, perched atop Yokai's head, the element priest stood in quiet contemplation. His gaze is fixed upon that crystal. He approached the crown, the crystal shimmering brightly in the noontime light. For the element priest is the conscience of yokai. With a sudden surge of energy, the priest extended his hand towards that crystal, his touch igniting a brilliant burst of light that engulfed both him and the dragon. It's so bright. Look up in the mountain. Everyone, look in the mountain. Oh, look. It's Yokai. Is it Yokai? Could it be him? Oh, that's a good Yokai. He's, he's gonna fly again. It is true. The legends are true. Look, my brothers. And in the boat copter, Max and Aphelion tend to Miyamoto. Ah, what is that? I don't know. It looks like the sun is falling down. Not the sun can't. That's crazy bright. And with a little bit of strength, Miyamoto sets up. Oh, that's not the sun. It's Hi. Yokai. Yokai the dragon. Oh, that makes sense. I see. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Because yeah, you know the, the legends and, and the thing about the, the stone and, and coming back. Yeah, I can oh. see that. Uh, it's Yokai! I know. And back out on the plains of Kanashi, Dinku turns his attention to Aruku. Do you, do you believe me now, brother? I, I believe. I, I tell you, I do believe. In that instance, Yokai's eyes snap open, glowing with a newfound fatality of light surging through his stony frame. His stony texture became scales. With a mighty roar that echoed across the valley, Yokai broke free from the mountain's embrace. Wings unflurling in a powerful display of strength. And with a single flap, the dragon launched itself into the sky, its massive form soaring gracefully amidst the clouds. And as Johnny hurled through the sky, his heart pounding with fear as the ground rushed up to meet him, 
Just when all seemed lost, the blur of white streaked past him. And Yokai swooped in and caught Johnny just before he plummeted to the earth. Yokai! With that gentle and yet powerful grasp, Yokai cradled Johnny in his talons, carrying him swiftly through the air. As they soared, Johnny caught glimpses of cities and lush forests below, his mind reeling from the dizzying height and speed. And shortly after, Yokai descended towards a clearing amidst the kingdom. There, encircled by ancient stone pillars and adorned on the ground with intricate marble tiles lay a sanctuary. Setting Johnny down gently with the protective embrace of the stone circle, Yokai bestowed upon him a reassuring grace before taking to the skies. Yokai. that same stone oh. circle that the Emperor had fought Sir Yurikin. And with the powerful beat of his wings, Yokai soared towards the heart of the Emperor, ready to confront the tyrant dragon. Go get him, Yokai! As the Emperor's dragon descended upon the tranquil sanctuary, just shy, a hundred yards from it, the Emperor dismounted with an air of arrogance, his eyes gleaming with malice as he surveyed the scene before him. Before the Emperor could make a move, a searing blast of fire streaked down from the sky aimed directly at him and his dragon. With a frantic roar, the Emperor's dragon lunged into the air, narrowly avoiding the fiery onslaught. However, the Emperor himself was not so fortunate. A ball of fire struck him with an explosive force. Only his garments were engulfed. Coughing and sputtering, the Emperor swiftly extinguished the flames, his body still smoldering from the intense heat. Turning his eyes towards the stone circle, he can see the figure of Johnny in it. You will fall where all your old friends had fallen, Musta. The Emperor enters into that stone circle, 
Johnny having his sword raised high, poised for battle. So, you entered into the gates, slew all the shogun, pieced together the crown of yokai, took the dragon crystal from my crown, raised yokai from the stone grave that I put him in. Aren't you as confident as a shark in a pool of minnows? It ends right here, Emperor, you know that. Oh yes, it ends right here. The Emperor looks into the sky. He sees Yokai fighting his dragon and a brand new thought comes across his mind that this could be his end. But he quickly shaking it off and looking over at Johnny. Uh, uh. Lashing out with a decisive blow. But Johnny deflected it. The Emperor takes a few steps back. This is the place. I don't know if you realize it. All those knights you read about, they all fallen by this sword. This one right here. Took them down. If they could not handle me, neither can you. Now give me the dragon crystal, and I'll have mercy on you. No, you'll have mercy on me. Where was that? Where was that mercy at uh, earlier when you threw me off the dragon? Oh, that's because you took the dragon crystal. I would not have done that if you had not taken the dragon crystal. I don't believe you. You're pure evil, Emperor. Oh. Oh. That hurts my heart. You don't have a heart, Emperor. Ah, you're right. But if I had one. That would hurt. And lashing out again at Johnny. One more chance. Give me the crystal now. Johnny sensing his desperate urgency, knowing that this is his last day on Earth. Cracking a smile. Not giving it to you. Then you leave me with no choice. Good. I don't like choices. Okay. All right. All right. Wait. Wait. And in this battle, Johnny with his sword plucked off the helmet of the Emperor, exposing his vulnerable face and skin. There you are. Oh. Oh. Now you know how beautiful I am. Just as ugly as a scum on the bottom of my boot. And the fight continues again. Johnny parrying the sword, maneuvering it, pushing the sword out of the way and brushing it across the face of the Emperor, just as Sir Yurik did long ago.
pulling his hand away from his face. <sighs> so, you do bleed. You're not immortal anymore, Emperor Akuna. <sighs> now, let's see yours. A little salty? In a daring move, Johnny does a roundhouse sweep kick against the feet of the Emperor, knocking him to his back. The Emperor getting back up. Oh, oh. Coming back at him harder. But in this instance, the Emperor, pairing the sword of Johnny, locking it around his wrist and flicking the sword of Numa out of his hand, flies past the boulders, past the rocks, and out of the circle. Johnny attempting to use his gauntlets to push the Emperor back, but the Emperor was too quick with a decisive blow. The sword of the Emperor went through the breastplate of Johnny, into his chest and out the other side. The Emperor leans into the ears of Johnny. You should have given me that dragon crystal. Pulling the sword out, casting Johnny onto his back. As Johnny lay on his back, wounded and weary, his vision blurred with pain. He gazed up at the towering stone pillars that surrounded him. And there, standing atop each one, the knights that were in the journal, the ones that had fallen in this very place 200 years earlier. To his left on that one, Sir Arthur, Sir Francis, Sir Pendrell, and, and the others. With their silent encouragement echoing in his ears, he hears the footsteps looking down. The Emperor approaching him, his body smoldering. Then he remembered the dream long ago on his bed, before he received the sword of Numa. This very image he had. But the outcome was unknown, for he had woken up before the sword touched his neck. Then his attention was drawn to another place. Sir Ulrich stood on the ground. In the last words, Musta, before I wipe you off the face of this earth, 
The Emperor continued to talk, but his words were muffled. As he gazed at Sir Ulrich, Sir Ulrich raised his hand and pointed to his face, indicating that the Emperor is blind in his left eye. Johnny remembering the note, the note that he had left in that journal. With a smile on his face, he turns his attention back to the Emperor. Oh, a smile. Very, very noble of you. I remember to write this down. Raising his sword high, Johnny reaching his hand out to his side, pulling the sword of Numa back to him, it landing into his gauntlet. The Emperor, being blind in his left eye, did not see it. And with a decisive blow, Johnny lunges into the side of the Emperor. Oh. Oh. The Emperor, clutching his wound in shock and disbelief, oh. Oh. staggering back. No. Oh. This can't be happening. Oh. I had you. I had you, oh, and falling back. His last vision that he has seen in the sky was his own dragon being defeated by yokai and falling to his demise. And the emperor closes his eyes and enters into eternity. Johnny, still laying with a wound, a deadly wound. A tumultuous sound of soldiers, Akuma and samurai alike, gather around him, and then a silence, their eyes wide in awe and reverence. For in that moment, Johnny was more than just a knight. He was a hero, a symbol of hope and triumph against impossible odds. An armor finding him, running him, embracing him. Johnny, 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 Johnny. You, you did it, Johnny. You look good, you look good, honestly, you do. You went all the way through. I don't know about this one. Oh, Johnny, you've been through a lot more than, well, you've been through a lot. With a smile on his face, amidst the throng of onlookers, something caught his eye. A figure materialized. Unseen by mortal eyes, Angelos approached Johnny. Johnny raising up his hand. Armor seeing this. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, don't, don't go in the light. Don't go, don't go in the darkness either, but you know, stay, stay with us. Stay with us, Johnny. And Angelos speaking unto Johnny. Put your hand down, Johnny. Time is not yet. 
He deserved this. With a gentle touch, Angelos banished the pain and exhaustion that wrecked his body. With a silent blessing, Johnny was gifted with the gift of healing. He was restored to full strength. He can breathe again. Others around in shock, not seeing Angelos, but seeing a miracle. Even armor as well. Johnny, are you are you, you with me? I'm with you. I'm with you. Help me up. Help me up. One last look at the emperor. And Dinku, along with Aruku, arrive. Come on. You did it. Now, let's go back to Shan. I have something there waiting for you. With that, they each walk away, leaving the emperor to the vultures. Two weeks after the battle, enough time for the land of the rising sun to rest and recover. A private ceremony is underway. All the pilgrims are standing in a rank, from Johnny all the way down to friend. Maimoto and Hanzo are separated. Amongst the cherry blossom trees and an open field, Denku stands before them, and behind Denku is the daimyo. Each one of them besides Johnny, receives a roll, a scroll in their hand, along with a samurai sword, and Denku stands before them. Congratulations, all of you. You are now samurai. Samurai is the way of the sword. It means one who serves. Of course, you don't live here when you go back. Serve your great king with honor, dignity. Respect him loyally and die for him honorably. Oh, samurai. And Denku bows, and the rest bow as well. And as they stand back up, you're dismissed. Um, r- real quick, uh, wow. Denku. Yeah. Armor, yeah. what is it? I thought the only way to be a samurai is if you're either born uh-huh. into the family or adopted by a family. Yeah. How, how are we then, are we legitimately samurai or just... That's a good question. You, you know what I'm saying? That letter I gave you in your hand is an adoption paper. You have been adopted by me. You are now my kinfolk. You are now samurai. Whoa. Oh. Is he serious? And Johnny and Armor exchange glances, and the other ones. He's serious. Max! Max! Like, we are samurai! 
I know. Like, <laughs> what do you think the kids are going to think? Oh, you talk about some respect around there. Oh, yeah. When I walk in that classroom, uh -huh. I want them groveling on my feet. Oh, when I see this, this what is it, katana? Oh, yeah, it's, it's katana. And then when uh -huh. they see the wakasashi. And when they see these two, I'm talking about reverence. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Tell me. Oh, man. Respect me. Face. On his face. Oh, yeah. They're going to give you so much respect. <laughs> I can just see them now standing at attention. Standing there. Waiting for you to sit down. Waiting. When you sit down, you tell them all to sit, and they all sit. Oh, mad respect. <laughs> mad. You know it. I, I somehow think you're being sarcastic. Somehow. Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. And friend looking over at Gil. Wait. You said if I, you remember, you remember the oath. What, uh, I don't know what oath. Oath? What oath? Oath? What are you talking about? You said if I ever carry a samurai sword on my side, you'll cook for me for a month. I said that. I said those words? I don't know. I don't recall saying it. Do you, Borden? You said those words. I was right there. You said it, and you have to keep it. Yes. Ah. Oh, I right, don't expect no four-course meal. Don't be looking forward to heads of this and, and lettuce and, and lamb chops and pork chops. And, and don't be stingy. I'll give you what, what's needed to live. Come on, Gil. Oh, wow, I can't wait. Oh. Don't get used to it, though. <laughs> and Johnny approaches Dinku privately. Dinku, I noticed that everybody else got a, a letter of adoption but me. Is that a mistake? And Denku looking over at a distance at Miyamoto. Miyamoto gives him a nod. Mm, follow me. Let's take a walk, shall we? Oh, yes, yes, sir. As Denku led Johnny into a forest, a sense of reverence hung in the air like delicate petals floating in the breeze. The sunlight dappled down, casting a warm glow upon the floor as they walked in silence. Only the sound of the gentle leaves rustle and a few chirping birds. Soon, they reached a clearing bathed in that golden light. A sense of hollowedness enveloped the atmosphere. Before them, a ceremonial gravesite. What is, what's this? Look, right there on that tombstone. What does that say? Sir Arthur? And right there. As he walks a little further on the side. Sir. Sir Fendrell? That one. Cross from Sir Fendrell. Oh, they're all here. Sir Francis. Sir Charles. They're all here. Yes. And come with me over here. This one here in the very center. These two. Look at them. Sir Ulrich. And the one next to it. Johnny. Stunned in awe reading the one next to it. Yuko? Yes, Yuko. 
Yuko? Sir Yurik? Wait, I thought... Sir Yurik? Wait, the dates on here are different. The dates over here say that these ones died 40 years earlier than this one. Yes. He didn't die from the Emperor? No. What had happened was he did live. He went back home. But weeks before he got there, a plague had hit back home. And his wife and child did not make it in that plague. And much of his family was wiped off. Having nothing left, he turned back and came here. And he married Yuko. And Yuko was in the samurai family. And you were born from Yuko. You are samurai by birth, Johnny. Sir Yurik's my great, great, one of the great grandfathers? And that is your grandmother. You are samurai. You were born into this. And that's why it was so important that you came over here to the land of the rising sun. Only you could have done it. You are Musta. You are the chosen one. You are that one, that statue. The headless statue that the Emperor had decapitated. He didn't like seeing your face. But you're back. Johnny turns and looks back at the gravesite. You're right, General, now. But now, it's time for you to go. An armor approaching Johnny, putting his arm around his side and holding it tight. <sighs> Come on, Johnny. Let's go home. And that's what they did. All the pilgrims saying their last goodbyes but not forever. Loaded up in the boat copter, took to the air, and headed back to the kingdom of Tannen. Meanwhile, with the King of Nod and Reggie. Reggie had found help. In fact, he had found Sir Lancelot along with the convoy, for they had turned around once they realized the King and Reggie were not amongst the company. And Reggie enters down into that valley with Sir Lancelot and a few of his men. Ah, he's gonna be so excited to see you. I can't wait to see the smile on his face. So where did you say you, he was at? Oh, right down here. I left him in a hole in the ground. And he should be nice and warm there all through the night. It was covered in snow, so that should be like a, like a woolly blanket. Oh, I'm sure it's like a woolly blanket. Snow is definitely the choice I pick. Every night when I sleep, I curl up in a good old blanket of snow, Reggie. Good sleeping. Yes, that optimism. And as Reggie enters down to the very bottom of that valley, he stops in his tracks. Wow. And speaking of tracks... Whoa, look at all oh this. dear. That's a lot. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Every inch 
of the snowy expanse was marred by hulking moose tracks. And racing to the spot where the igloo once stood, Reggie's heart sank. Oh dear, oh dear, what, what, what is it? What's oh dear? The once feeble shelter lay flattened, obliterated by an immense force. Nearby, trees bore the scars of violent encounter. Barks stripped away, car marks etched into the wood, and drool stains marking the aftermath, along with several broken antlers. Sir, 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 King of Nod. Where, where have they taken you, sir? King of Nod. And searching around. Right here. Everyone spread out. We gotta find him. All right, all right. Uh, you three go that way. I'll go this way. Yes, sir. And Reggie, you go which way? That way. Come on. Yes, I'll go this way. He's around. I think I saw tracks over here on this side. Oh, dear. Oh, sir. Sir, King. Are you here? Sir, looking for you. Sir, you around here, sir? King of Nod. King of Nod. And arriving at a particular tree. One whose bark has been stripped away 12 feet up. The tree wood has been ripped apart, gnashed upon. Drool marks are frozen in place. Blood stains, claw marks. Almost all the way to the center. And broken antlers all around. Oh, dear. And Reggie instinctively looks up. And there, clinging in tattered clothing, his robe, that royal robe, ripped to shreds, bear hugging. Sir, oh, you're okay, sir. He's over here. Oh, very wise of you to climb a tree. What had happened? In the tree. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, he's good. He looks, he looks good. <laughs> I was searching for firewood, and I thought maybe I'd find some way up here and maybe break a few of these branches off and give me a little warmth. Good thinking, sir. <laughs> but I was just so overwhelmed by the awe, oh, the view of this valley. Nice. I just thought maybe I'd hang out here and take it all in yes, as the sir. sun gleams off the snow like little diamonds. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. What do you think happened, Reggie? Look around you. Oh, dear. These look like moose tracks, sir. <laughs> I got a few of those on my bag. You can compare them. Ooh, oh, oh nasty. dear. Nasty. <laughs> and sliding down. Careful. Oh, that's got to hurt. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, 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 watch oh. the stump. Watch the nubs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. So, uh, what happened here, sir? Yes, oh, tell us. Sir. Oh, you're good. I'm so sorry uh. we had left you. Oh, no. <laughs> the adventure is just where it's all at, you know? Yes, sir. <laughs> It's kind of Reggie's fault, but... Oh. So what had happened? That's what you want to know? Yes, sir. Yeah, tell me what happened. Yes, tell us. <laughs> well, when it happened, Reggie, while well, you were gone frolicking off, who knows where, yes, sir. and I was nestled nice in this little hole in the ground covered yes, by this warm snow. Yes, sir. So warm. <laughs> I might need a few amputated toes. Oh. Well, you know, Moose decided to come down here and have a little visit. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. And who knew that oh. moose were meat eaters? I never knew that. But you learn something new every day, huh, Reggie? Yes, sir. <laughs> something new. Let me tell you, Reggie, I got out of this thing so fast. Oh. I ran as hard as I could in the snow, but you know how fast you can run in waist-deep snow? No, sir. <laughs> About as fast as a snail can crawl through water. Oh, dear. And I ran, sort of, and they carried me. 
Oh, that's good. They carried you, so yeah, they carried me yeah. on their antlers. That hurt really bad, right? You look, look right here. Oh, oh, ooh, uh, ooh. ooh, I'm sorry to see this. Ah, ooh. <laughs> they carried me, and then another one carried me. They took turns. <laughs> They're nice. definitely, definitely yes. uh, uh, sharers. That's just one thing they are. They do share. And so I fell, and a few stepped on me. They're very heavy, but thankfully, the snow cushioned their weight. Oh, that's good news. Yeah, very good uh-huh. news. And I got up, gagging for air, oh, and I ran. My. And I climbed up one tree, and they knocked it down. Oh, oh. And I climbed another one, yes. right? And they knocked that one oh, down, and okay. <laughs> another one. Oh. Eventually, I found one that they did not knock down. Yes, sir. Apparently, they're very hungry, Reggie. Oh. <laughs> yes, oh. they're hungry. Oh, dear. And they started gnashing on it and ripping it to wow. shreds and drilling it. Ooh. And guess what I did, Reggie? What did you do, sir? I clung on for dear life and started oh. spitting on them until oh. I had no more spit left. Apparently, they don't like spit, so they left. Oh, oh that's good. i, I got to remember that oh. one. You have a kingly <laughs> spit, sir. <laughs> that's only half the story, Reggie. I'll tell you the other half later. I believe that one. Oh, let's let's uh, let's get you all cleaned up. <laughs> okay. And sir, uh, let's go home. Yeah! Yes! 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 Johnny and the rest of the pilgrims finally made it back to the towering fortress of Tannen. The moon hung low in the sky, casting a silvery glow over the ancient stone walls. Not a word was spoken as they made their way through the silent halls, their footsteps echoing softly against the stones. Johnny finally reaching his bedchamber. To his right, he sees a cake sitting upon that counter, and a note. Huh? Reading the note, from D, from D Gravely. Uh, I'll get into that one tomorrow. Johnny sank onto his bed, the weight of their journey pressing upon him like a heavy cloak. And in the dim twilight, he reached for the worn journal of Sir Yorick. All right. And opening it up to the thirteenth entry, Johnny begins to read. Entry number 13. I have been at the physician's house for two days now. The last two days have been nothing but sleep and more sleep. The physician gave me enough opium to kill a bear. Therefore, I requested only herbal teas from now on till I need sleep. Yuko has been by my side continually. May she be the mother of kings and princes. The main physician will be here tomorrow, Takakashi. 
he will inform me of my health, whether I will join my brothers on the other side or go back to embrace my love once more. But I'm leaning more towards the first outcome. My men were the finest in all the earth. They raised not their sword in vain. Neither of them were of a double heart. I pray that the children of Tannen take on their names, that they be not extinguished from off the earth. I requested of the daimyo that if it be possible to bring my men out of the enemy's camp, and let not the corpses of the honorable be defiled. Time lapse. Great news. I'll be just fine. The Emperor's blade had missed every vital organ, and my fever has been brought down. But right now, I'm tired. It's late in the night. Time lapse. It's been now three weeks. I've been improving very well. Takakashi said he's never seen a stronger patient. The locals here have picked up our language fairly easy. The two brothers taught them well. I, on the other hand, would need a lot more time to understand these lines and slashes on paper. I'm currently sitting up against the headstone of Sir Arthur. Across from me is Sir Fendrell. And there are no lack of flowers here, and the smell is strong. I do believe I heard Sir Francis take in a deep breath of its fragrance. I see just up ahead in the ocean, my ship, the mighty Vier, coming to take me home. I will leave this journal here at the land of the rising sun. My prayer is that it will one day be a light in the darkness to whomsoever shall take on this task. I give thanks unto the daimyo, unto Takakashi, and those that taught me the way of the sword. And I give special thanks unto Yuko, the daughter of virtue. May the great king above grant you mercy and safe travel. End of entry number 13. End of the Journal of Sir Ulrich. Johnny then closes up the Journal of Sir Ulrich and places it on his nightstand. Pulling out a sheet of paper, he leaning up against his headboard. Entry number one. Today was a good day. It started off a little rocky in the air, but Max and Ophelion were able to steady it. Miyamoto's doing a lot better. His wounds are healed up, and the stitches were taken out. The Rangers made the best coffee that you could wish for. And that's the end of that chapter.
All right, so credits. Everybody gets credits. So most of all that music that you heard, a lot of that was by Derek and Brandon Fetcher, uh, Fantasy World Music by the Fetchers, and also uh, the Freedom Speech. Well, actually, that, that one with the inspirational music, you know, where he was getting that rally going, he had a big old huge speech. That music was by Scott Buckley called Freedom. And right there were my Emotos about to do a little, little, you know, separate thing with a little sword, but it goes, get, 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 and that one's also by uh, Scott Buckley. And that very special one at the end, the icing on the cake, I'm talking about, ooh, that's Peter Rowe. That's called Bushido. You find that the way of the samurai. It's an epic music mix. All right, so I'll see you next time.